Welcome, my memoirs, to another round of the book recaps. My name is Karen, and this is the section where I go over the books that were read in the previous month, that being May 2022 for today, and add some additional commentary insights, things that I didn't really felt mm, jumped right into the book reviews that would have been appropriate there. Two things to note. First is I'm a little bit sick, so if there's any coughing or spluttering and a bit more silences and I sound a bit nasally, that is the reason why. Please excuse me for that. And the second is I wanted to get your thoughts on a, I suppose, direction of the book reviews uh, podcast slash audio slash video, which is uh, one of the things I've been doing recently because my reading volume has been quite a lot lower is I've been doing book reviews of old books. So these are books that I, I've read more than two years ago, more long previous to the channel actually starting. And typically what I do, and you'll see this twice for the, the book re- reviews that I this, did this month, which was I will get an old book, I'll sort of skim over it, read it, portions of it, but not the whole thing, and look at my old book reviews that I used to write down in an Excel sheet, and then just add some additional commentary and sort of reinvigorate it from what I remember. So if I could get your thoughts on that, that would be excellent. Is that a, I don't know, ethical thing? Is that something that you want? Or would you prefer me to just do book reviews that I have read in this previous month and either up my reading volume or perhaps make the the book review podcast more fortnightly or something like that? The best way to do that would be to send in a boostergram. So boostergram is a message with uh, Satoshi's attached to it. You can do this in any of the actual podcasting apps, newpodcastapps.com. And this is the way that I'm trying to go with all of my podcasts, all of my shows. I can't continue this on forever without uh, receiving some sort of monetary income coming in. And I absolutely hate the advertising model and you will never see ads on any of these shows or me shilling or me putting up a paywall or anything like that. And so the only way I see around this is that I need to use a value for value model, which is essentially I spend a lot of time doing these book reviews, uh, doing the research, actually reading the books, condensing it, making the video and audio and et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I would really appreciate it if you could send some of that back to me. So if you're watching via YouTube or video, hey, uh, I would uh, appreciate you taking the extra steps to to go elsewhere and <clears throat> to go to one of the podcasting apps and, and just boost us there. Um, or potentially even just going to our website, which I believe uh, will soon have the capability to to just click on um, the, the boostergram. That's merementalspodcast.com. But in any case, uh, that's the best way to, to get in touch. But I also appreciate comments in, in wherever you want to leave it. So that's enough on that. Let's get into the actual book that I read of this month. So the first was Influence by Robert Cialdini. I gave this an eight and a half out of 10. This was the first of the books that I had previously read. And I would say that I read this right about 2013, somewhere like that. So quite a long time ago, almost a decade ago. And uh, I had, yeah, quite a strong, imp- it left quite a strong impression on me in that time. And this was particularly useful to me because I was trying to learn more about, I suppose, game, which is presenting yourself to women in the best best light possible. And this book was mostly on marketing, which, you know, sort of has some aspects to that where it, it was how can you influence people? How can you get people to, to see your desirable qualities that you have? Um, and then, <clears throat> you know, you 
form some sort of exchange from that, whether that be sex or a, a partnership or a friendship or, you know, in his case, in this book, he was talking mostly about advertising and things like this. All of these aspects play play into it or, or sales, for example. Uh, one of the things that I mostly noted from this was how ratings change over time. So, I... I really, this left a huge impression on me at the time. I sort of gave it an eight and a half now, uh, re-reviewing it. But I could definitely see this in the future where this was probably the first time I'd heard a lot of the ideas in this book related to the, um, what did he call it? Those uh, many different influences or stages, well, the, the, the core precepts, I guess, of, of how to influence people. Uh, I've come across this in elsewhere now so it's not such a revolutionary idea at the time i thought wow you know this is the first time i've ever heard of this this guy's a genius etc etc now it's like oh okay these are precepts and principles that you can find in many other places as well so it's not just robert cialdini who who came up with this so it did get me thinking like oh yeah my ratings of books can probably change over time so i wouldn't be surprised if this book became a seven or something even lower in the future just because I've heard so much elsewhere on these same principles where it's like, mm, it's sort of been diluted, I guess. And then you look at the the work for what it is and yeah, sure, it has a lot of stories and cool things in it, but uh, it's almost like the more books I read, the the lower that every individual rating of a book is going to get just because I've, I've read so much more and uh, the, the ideas... Uh, it, it gets more down to the writing style then and, and the u- uniqueness of the book. And to be fair, I wouldn't say this book was revolutionary in light, writing techniques or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, a well-presented book. So <clears throat> in any case, I, I, I do highly recommend it for those who are interested in sales and marketing and who want to learn more about how to influence people and how people influence you. So the next one is The Trial by Franz Kafka. I gave this an 8 out of 10. And funnily enough, same sort of, this was actually a a slightly different one in the case that when I read it at the time, I, so I read this probably about three years ago, I would say, 2019. And this one, I had previously given a rating, I'd say of like a 5 out of 10, but the more I reflect on it, on it over the the past couple of years, the more I think, man, that was that was something deep in that. That was that that the writing style, first of all, is uh, is amazing. His the the absurdity of this guy who's fighting a, a trial, an accusation uh, that can't be named, that has no. Uh, source of information where he's constantly going around from place to place trying to find out and and defend himself against it is is so unique i really love that and uh, i think there's many allegories that you could sort of take from it initially i i thought it was it was somewhat linked to depression or something like that as in when someone who is is trapped in a depressive start spiral they they constantly like go inwards and inwards and they try and fight this thing where they you know why am I so depressed oh, it's because I'm such a loser and it, it, it sort of compounds upon itself until it can reach a, a breaking point right at the end such as as what happened in the book um, with with Joseph K but yeah it was it was I, I I just saw that and I was like man you could you could apply a lot of I think different things in your life and, and apply it to this book and sort of see a similar 
similar vein. So the psychology of it, um, of the main character and the the actions that he took and and the situations, the conversations that he had, I, I thought were all um, just quite unique, quite unique. So I, I actually, upon reflection, bumped that rating up um, quite a lot um, over time. And I do believe that I said I would maybe write, uh, read out what I had actually thought about this in the uh, initial section, or this is going to be hard to, to find right in the moment. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the the... My, my initial thoughts on it were just a little bit blasé, a little bit meh. And now looking upon it, I go, oh, yeah, that, that, was, that was a decent book. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find that right in the moment. That's okay. Uh, the next book, The Most Good You Can Do by Peter Singer. So this is related to effective altruism. And I took a lot of notes from this one. So this is probably going to be a, a slightly longer section. So I'll, I'll try and get through it relatively quickly. <clears throat> so some of the things I thought... I felt like it was a bit of a hardline approach, so making excuses for failing. So uh, you you could sort of say, oh, maybe my kid would uh, bring out greater benefit to the world. So if I don't donate to charity, but instead invest all of that energy into my kid, then maybe this would, would happen. And he used a lot of those arguments in the book. So it was sort of like, uh, you know, I'll earn a lot of money. You know, I've, I've got career choices. How can I do the best in the world? I could go to a charity and work hard for them and, you know, go directly to Africa and have a direct impact. Or I could become a financial banker and make all of this money. And then as long as I donate 10% of that money, because I'm earning so much more, I'll do so so much more good in the world. I thought that thinking was uh, just, just not adequate enough because, you know, one, you're assuming that this that future you is is going to donate that money that you will do that i think that's a little bit of a a gray area and then it's also not looking at the impacts of you know what is is your work actually harming the world i I would argue that financial bankers and and those sort of people you know they're not really they don't have that physical tangible tangible benefit of of really making a difference in the world if you're making money off derivatives or on the micro adjustments in the corn trade and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, maybe if you're a financial trader in related to charities or something like that, maybe, but I thought it was just a way of sort of shifting responsibility onto future you and being like, oh, this person will do all the good uh, and, and not making potential benefits now. So that, that sort of section, I, I, I wasn't a, a big of a fan of, um, <clears throat> which was funny because simultaneously I got from the book, there was a almost an insistence that it needs to be done here and now. Like there's no, there's no point talking and just chatting about doing good. It's like, think about it right now, put it into action, put it into place. Uh, you know, the ideal is ideal, but you can do sub-ideal, just do something, you know, um, and... Uh, I, I, I quite like that. I felt I just felt that running throughout the book. And, and I do appreciate that sort of insistence that almost that physicality. It's not it's not all in your head of thinking about doing good and ideals and philosophy and things like that. It's is an implementation into the real world. So it's kind of funny because those two don't really mix and match um, so much. Uh, when I was reading it, I, I found I had a 
almost like a deep misgiving. If you look at the podcast episode I did with Juan, uh, geez, what episode was that? If you type in Peter Singer into our um, into our podcast search engine on our website, you'll you'll be able to find out which one it was. And there was something he had the same sort of reaction, which was just like an instant uh, ethics into action, uh, effective altruism. This you know, in sort of insistence that you donate donate in this sort of way, and you and if you're donating to a charity because it has more of a sentimental value that that's not good enough in essence. Um, and I guess it's sort of the implication that, you know, you're doing something bad in a way, even when you're trying to be doing something good, which people do not want to feel. If you're donating to charity, you want, you want the, the good feelings coming from that. Whereas this sort of book is saying, nah, not good enough. Uh, <laughs> you need to think a bit harder and think a bit better. So I I can sort of see that, um, and it was it was kind of like watching my own reaction made me realize maybe I'm not as utilitarian as I thought I was. So utilitarian is sort of the philosophy of um, doing the most good, I guess you could say, uh, in in the moment in, um, in and looking at looking at things more quantitatively. So if you look at the trolley problem utilitarian so that's uh, a train's coming down the tracks it's going to run over uh, five people in the track it's on and if you pull a lever it'll go and kill one person instead utilitarians would go okay five lives is better than one lives pull the lever squish and i would have said i was more along the lines of that but after reading this book i'm, I'm not so sure I'm not so sure anymore so uh, that's something i need to have a have a little bit look uh, more of a look into as well um there was a question I suppose that that kind of got raised was what is good and this is wasn't made super clear in the book and um, is it greater happiness or reduced suffering so his argument seemed to be related towards uh, more alleviating suffering uh, and that your suffering pales in in comparison to others and that's why you should you should donate I suppose to to more effective uh, charities because then uh, then you're, you're you're you know you're making the world a better place because there's less suffering. Um, whereas you know greater happiness is also on the on this spectrum in the up ways rather than in the down ways. And you know this this also implies that everyone is equal. And this is a, a tough one because by most rights, yes. Most rights, everyone is equal and, and should get fair treatments and whatnot um, with regards to voting, with regards to you know, human rights and things like that. But when it comes to donation and charities, uh, that's, that's when I'm like, mm, okay, I'm, I'm not so sure that the everyone is, is equal when it, it implies an act of, of giving as well. Um, when everyone should be treated the same, yes, but when it's uh, an actual donation... Um, I'm not so sure of that. Another thing I need to to think over a bit more. Uh, you can definitely see a skill and time spent in in creating the book. Every point that Juan came up, ah, here we go, in episode 295 of the Mere Mortals, um, he, he pretty much addressed, which was pretty funny. So it was watching Juan come up with an argument and then me just saying, ah, he already thought of that. Nah, Peter already talked about that in the book. So uh, the one thing 
<clears throat> that I thought would be cool was a meta study on the effectiveness of effective altruism. So is the movement itself actually producing greater benefits to the world? And so are people donating harder, better, faster, stronger, like the uh, Kanye West, Daft Punk <laughs> sort of mean? So that I think that would be, um, uh, if I had the chance to, to chat with Peter Singer, I, I would actually really want to ask him about that is effective altruism actually effective in its in its uh, goals? Are people changing their habits, their styles? Has there been a study done on that? Because so much of the effective altruism movement is about seeing effectiveness. <laughs> so that that would be uh, that would be kind of cool. Uh, let's move on to something else. So this is the idiot by Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky. I gave a six and a half out of ten. Uh, not too much to add to this, other than it's a big book. It's a really big book and. One thing I could probably say, which I didn't mention, was there's quite a lot of modern language in it. So I remember there were scenes where he was he was saying um, this would be the prince, and he was talking about Rogozin, something like that. Um, I can't remember how to pronounce all these damn Russian names. And he was saying like, oh, after he met her, he's like he's going to knife her, which I thought was oh man, that's that sounds pretty modern, you know, knifing someone. That I'm not, I hadn't particularly read or heard of that that phrase in, in other places kind of sounds gangster in a way. Uh, another was when they were talking about money and he was just like, oh yeah, that's a cool hundred thousand rubles. Once again, it's just like, whoa, what? I've, the word cool, um, that's that's pretty modern. And uh, it was funny seeing that in a book, which is, you know, from the 18, uh, 1880s, something like that. That was, that was when it came out. So yeah, seeing... Seeing modern language being introduced into a book that I know is quite old was uh, was kind of funny in a way. Um, I enjoyed it. I think I I think I approve of that, and uh, mostly just because it's a translation, so it's going to be a little bit iffy, anyways. And uh, I, I if, when you translate from another language, you're going to lose something anyway. So I don't mind if something is added to that as well, put into it. So. I'm I'm sort of I'm okay with that in in the translation process, and I, I appreciate what um, uh, the the translator did there. The other one was Ippolit. So this was the atheist in the book, and there was some. There sort of seems to be something about very sick characters or characters who are on their deathbed um, or who have endured a lot of suffering to to have a lot of wisdom in a way, and his sort of wisdom from his sickness reminded me a lot of Ralph Touche from The Portrait of a Lady, which I've also covered on this channel. And this was where right at the start, Ralph was um, talking with, oh, what was her name? It was the, the main girl in the book. And he was chatting with her and she was talking about the ghost in this in this house. And he's like, yeah, like you haven't seen the ghost and, and you don't want to see the ghost. The ghost is reserved for those who've who've endured and, and suffered a lot. And, you know, this is sort of a metaphor. They're not talking about an actual ghost. They're talking about the the wisdom I guess you get from from being near death and from the learnings that the perspective that can give you in life, I guess, and suffering and whatnot. And Ippolit seemed to have a bit of this. Now the difference was he was quite young as well, so this got mixed up with all of these ideals and just, I suppose, a bad presentation style. He was very dramatic and, you know, try to try to kill himself and then would bother people and not be kind to people and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So 
there was there was a bit of a mixing with unsavory characteristics with him as well but it did get me thinking a lot about just sickness and death and and whether there is wisdom that can be gained from from such intense suffering and i imagine there is i imagine there is and you know just for my part i really hope i don't <laughs> have to see the ghost myself cuz uh uh, I'm curious about things, but uh, I'm, I, I, I'll admit that my will is not super strong. Um, I'm not. I'm not the person. There's this uh, lady called. Oh man, my my um, brain's not working today. Uh, there was a, a Toria Pitt, I believe, was her name, who uh, got trapped in bushfires here in Australia, and she was on an ultra marathon, and she basically had to run her way out of a bushfire whilst her sort of skin was melting off of her, and. I think about that situation. I just think, I don't think I've got that will to survive. You know, maybe, maybe the the instincts and the adrenaline will kick in and something like that. But to, I'm I'm not sure I have the will to to endure so much suffering. I think there's a point where I would I would give up, and I think I would give up uh, quicker than than a lot of people. But you know, this is once again one of those situations where it's like I don't want to find out. <laughs> I don't want to know if I have that will or not. So. Um, yeah, that that sort of wisdom can be can be kept for others if uh, if if possible, <laughs> if possible, please universe. <laughs> Let's jump onto the the Boostergram Lounge now. So, um, what I can say from here is that there was three boosts that that came in, and I'm just bringing it up as we speak. And one of the cool things was um, this is this is both good and bad. One is I've really only got one booster in, so there's really only one person supporting the show at the moment, uh, which is of course the ever-present Peter the Slav. Um, Peter, thank you so much, mate. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, but that's on me as well. I need to promote the show more to get more people in to make this show better, so that more people can can um, partake as well. So uh, one of the cool things is though there was someone called at Follow Reason who didn't uh, send any boosts, but they streamed and they streamed. Uh, 570 sats and you know i don't know how much they've listened to um related to that but that was that was really cool um if if that's peter you again mate i <laughs> mate that's, that's too much um but uh the that, that it's it's kind of cool to see the that other people are joining in on this process and so once again value for value go to one of the new podcast apps.com Fountain is one that I highly recommend because I put up chapter images. I believe Castomatic, you can see them also in Podverse. Uh, actually, in pretty much all of them, Curiocaster and in Breeze. So <clears throat> I would just say go to one of these ones which have chapter images because I really do try and add that extra little bit of spice into this as well so you can have a little bit of a visualiza- visualization. And so this gets to... One of the main points here that Peter sends in 3,166 sats. Um, all of these are u- sent using Fountain. <coughs> and he says, Is your marionette a wand doll? Haha, <laughs> nice. Yes, it is, my friend. Yes, it is. So that was on the cover art for the, uh, what do you call it? The influence book where it was me <laughs> manipulating a marionette wand. <laughs> yeah, those fun little touches. I, I like that. Here he says, um, Another 3,166. I've always held the wor- uh, the weird belief that when one stumble cr- 
stumbles across an unsolvable paradox in life, you always should pay extra attention to that thing. Unsolvable paradoxes form the fundamental basis of our reality and often can teach us things about the universe. I know what you're thinking and no, I'm not high at the moment. (laughs) Smiley face. (laughs) And this was related to the trial by Franz Kafka. Bang on, Peter. We're we're two alike, mate. Um, It's almost like my, my life is now becoming the point of of just trying to find these instances of paradox and, and work them out for myself and 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 just spend more time deliberating on them, looking at them, thinking about them. How can these two things be true at the same time? What does that mean? You know, how what does that say about myself as well? If <clears throat> can I can I simultaneously in my brain accept these two things as well? So this is why I love books like um, The Trial by Franz Kafka because it, it sort of addresses that. It gets gets to it. Um, so, yeah, man, whether you're high or not, it's a good thing to ponder. <laughs> and the last one here from Peter is The Idiot. I feel like I can relate. Man, <laughs> I'm literally wearing the Hosky shirt as we speak right now. So the the greatest idiot in here is 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 got to be like, it's got to be me, right? <laughs> um but I think there's, there's a, well, it's funny because, you know, even though um, the prince, Prince Mishkin is called an idiot throughout the book, he's the most respected and revered character. Now, his fatal flaw is, of course, that he, he's got an, a sort of underlying sickness and like I was talking about with naivety in, in that book review, it, it, I don't think it alleviates the responsibility of, of, thinking about your actions and being pragmatic as well about thinking about the outcome. So um, it's, it's funny because the idiot is a, is a weird insult because you, you'd say it's related to IQ, for example, whereas uh, in the book, he wasn't an, an idiot. I, I believe like, I, I don't know what my IQ is, but I think it's above the normal because I've got a sort of engineering degree and I, I used to do okay at that. And, you know, I did good at science and maths, but but I do think I'm an idiot at the same time. And, uh, you know, once again, paradox just there, what is the, the meaning of the word idiot? And I, I kind of like it to be, <laughs> I enjoy it. I, I think, um, there's, there's something, there's, there's almost like something fun in it. And as long as I'm being responsible as well, once again, you know, being responsible, but also being foolish and carefree, that, that, that mix and balance, where do you, where do you find that? Where's the, the paradox in that? So um, thank you very much, Peter, and also at Follow Reason, who streamed in some sats. Very cool of, of both of you. And people leaving um, <clears throat> comments on the, on the channel as well. Uh, much appreciated. I, I do enjoyed going over those. So the last section here that we have is what is coming up for ding, 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 ding. Um, what's the next month? June of 2022. <laughs> what is it? Well, look, at least I got finished The Idiot, which I have been saying I've been reading for ages and it did took, take me ages, like 650 pages or whatnot. I'm still reading Reasons and Perf- uh, Persons by Derek Parfit. I'm on page 261. The book says that it has 539 pages, but a bunch of that is the appendix and whatnot. So I've probably got... <clears throat> About, no, damn, I still got a lot, 248. <laughs> yeah, so I'm about halfway through at the moment. <clears throat> it's a hard book. I'm, I'm finding less and less enjoyment to it. I'm, I'm struggling as to whether I should continue reading all of it, which I have been doing. I, don't th- I think I've only skipped over maybe one or two pages. 
Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's becoming a grind now. One thing I mostly finished is Madame Bovary by uh, Gustave Flaubert. Flaubert. I don't know how you pronounce his French name. Um, <clears throat> I've been enjoying this one. Uh, I might have another, so the Reasons and Persons book. Once again, I, I can't guarantee I'll, I'll finish that this month. Um, Juan says he has finished a bunch of books uh, because he hasn't done a book review lately. So imagine that some of his will be appearing on the channel. And I've got some smaller books as well, maybe a, a Spanish translation or one written in Spanish by uh, would be one of the Mario Vargas Llosa or someone like that. Um, and uh, I might have another Kafka book to read. So we'll see, we'll see. But once again, I'm <clears throat> like I mentioned, my, my reading is is sort of taking second priority to a lot of other things at the moment. So I'm not I'm not going super hard at it like I used to. Um, but what you gonna do? Um, so that's it for today. Thank you everyone for for joining in. Uh, once again, encouraging you to send a boostergram. That is my favorite thing. The direct interaction with the audience. That you know, this is my favorite section to to riff on the boostergrams uh, at the end. So thank you very much, Peter, for doing that. And thank you, everyone, for joining to me at this point, if you've reached it this far um, of, a, once again, a long recap. So very good. Uh, that's it for today. Peace out. Ay, ay, ay.